Maybe that's a feeling of agitation caused by the presence or imminence of danger. Why do you think people believe in ghosts? Sunglasses. Bicorn. Smallmouth bass. Wow. Bowling pin. Ah, ah. trap. Rubber chicken. Little to the left. That's it. I don't know. Any eyeball glasses? I've never seen those before in my life. Bazooka? I have a permit for that. Picture of Kellaway's wife. What? Uh-oh. Margaret! You son of a bitch! Jeez, I figured you had a sense of humor. After all. You married her! Ah! That's gotta hurt. Get him! Doyle! Yes, I will have fries with that. Our family grows. The city itself will be our playground to use as we please. Rewarding ourselves and punishing our enemies. We've been looking for you, Miss O'Neill. There is a new enemy. Freaks of nature. Together, we will punish these bastards. What the heck was that? Looked like sort of a big title in a trench coat. problem with the scientific power that you're that you're using here uh, it didn't require any discipline to attain it you know you read what others had done and you and you took the next step you didn't earn the knowledge for yourselves so you don't take any responsibility for it you stood on the shoulders of geniuses uh, to accomplish something as fast as you could and before you even knew what you had you you patented it and packaged it and slapped it on a plastic lunchbox and now you're selling it you want to sell it well has anybody ever told you you have a serious impulse control problem? It's out of sheer morbid curiosity, I'm allowing this freak show to continue. One. 
Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another exciting episode of Delusions of Grand Tour. I'm uh, one of your hosts, but today we are going to go up on about a totally radical movie. But um, I think we have someone who, who is fairly new to our hosting uh, staff to uh, tell you what the movie is all about. So, Forrest... Why don't you tell us what the movie is all about? Yeah, uh, so to, okay, so to, on tonight's episode, we are discussing 1990s Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, directed by Steve Barron. We'll, uh, we'll be discussing many aspects of this movie, of this 30-year-old movie that could potentially spoil for you, even though it's been out for 30 years. So this is your last. So this is your fir- your your first and only warning. <laughs> all right. All right. So, so teenage, so teenage mutant journals. The plot, the plots, uh, the plot just goes like this: uh, a crime, it's you know, a, a crime, a crime wave is hit is hit New York City, by by group by an organization of of ninja criminals known as the Foot Clan, uh, who are recu- who are recruiting te- teenage boys to do their bidding under the leadership of the sh- under the leadership of the evil Shredder. And the and the only ones who can stop them are a group of are a group of 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 anthropomorphic tur- uh, of pizza munching anthropomorphic <laughs> martial arts trained turtles and their and their rat fa- and their rat father and with the aid with the aid of with the aid of with the aid of, of their two human friends April uh, reporter April O'Neil and hockey mask vigilante Casey Jones mm-hmm. and and. So, uh, okay, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go now. I'm gonna go around and ask each each of you uh, what you, uh, what your first impressions. Are, if if this is your first time watching, or if it's a rewatch, and your overall impressions. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go clock go clockwise from my my bet from where I'm sitting. Uh, Dustin, is this your first time watching it? And what oh, your- heck no! Uh, the first time I saw this, I saw this when it was fairly new uh, on VHS. And one of the things I remember the most about this movie is there was an ad for Pizza Hut that played right before the movie. And so when I think of this movie, I think of Pizza Hut. Um, I was maybe three or four at the oldest when I first saw this. Um, so it's been it's been a part of my life for a pretty long time. And I love this movie. Like, it's... Even now, it's still very watchable. Um, like, everything holds up well. Like... Uh, it's it's hard for me to state just how much I enjoy this movie. So, it's uh, my birthday month here, and we'll be doing one of my official birthday picks. However, I would have I almost picked this for my birthday until I found out we were doing it. So that's how much mm-hmm. I like this movie. Great, and uh, Brandon, is this your first, is this your first watch? Uh, no, no, nowhere near. I watched this in theaters when it came out. I was a huge fan of the cartoon as a child, and it was just excellent getting out there. I went with a birthday party. I still remember it because one year we actually had a 
Sherba's Pizza knockoff. They didn't have the animatronics, but they had the pizza and they had the arcade. Mm-hmm. But then it closed within the first three months. But oh, during wow. that time, we had like a full-on movie watch and we had the party. So that was just awesome uh, day. I, so I associate that. So we watched Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and ate as much pizza as we could eat and played video games until we were all silly. Um... But I also associate it because we got that VHS tape. And I don't know if that's the same commercial that you were talking about, Dustin, but it, I'm thinking of the one where they're singing the Wright Field song. And you've got the kid in the baseball, uh, in the and, baseball field. <laughs> and Paul Wilk of the Mighty Ducks as, as the catcher. Exactly. Uh, to me, that that will always be associated. I even had to go back, find it online, and watch it before I watched the film this time. Excellent film. Still holds up for me. Uh, maybe it's the nostalgia, but uh, it's probably the nostalgia. But it's still very entertaining. Uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this one the most out of all four of them. Very good, Dane. Is this your fir- is this your first watch? Um, there we go. Sorry, my mic wouldn't unmute. Um, no, this is not a first time watch of this film. Maybe a few years ago, uh, twenty. I want to say maybe twenty fifteen, something like that. Um, I'll. I will. Uh, try to clarify a little bit with uh, what Brandon said about the nostalgia factor and the movie holding up and all that stuff. I did not grow up with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I was like an early 90s kid uh, at the earliest usually mid to late 90s. So like the earliest thing of this type that I can remember watching was Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, which obviously uh, there's most certainly a... um, one could say kind of a spiritual connection between the two but what i will say that being said uh this first adaptation of the source material the comics um i will say that it holds up very well and especially for uh someone like me that didn't grow up with it i was like you know this is quite good for what it is it uh (laughs) It does a good job of not just playing to the super fans, even though it does a very, very, very good job of that as well, but not just them. Like, it works as its own movie and, you know, has a lot more dimension to it than one might expect, and certainly more dimension than one could necessarily uh, want from anthropomorphic pizza eating ninjutsu turtles. Um, but it's one of those things where it's stylish, it's, uh, you know, got a, you know, more adult feel than one might necessarily have, um, and it has a pretty solid story, like, in other words, it could have been so much worse relative to the, the, uh, setup, that's just saying it as someone that come, came into it fairly fresh, and then, of course, if you are the super fans, then, oh, boy, you're going to go nuts. And uh, <laughs> so, yeah, not a first watch. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you for that. Uh, Dave, is this your first watch? No, it is definitely not. Um, I, as well, um, uh, got 
my grandfather, uh, uh, um, several years before he di died, he would like go to random rummage sales and pick up certain things. And he ended up picking up a copy of the VHS with no slipcover or anything like that and just gave it to me one year. And uh, it, it was the movie that uh, taught me how to speak. Early childhood talking like a surfer. Well, no, not exactly like that. But uh, but my first words uh, were, in fact, teenage, mutant, ninja, turtles. <laughs> so uh, so um, me growing up with a speech impediment, um, I learned how to enunciate words through the words of the turtles. So to, uh, so to me, that was one of uh, my early films to teach me how to uh, enunciate uh, more with words. And then, of, co uh, of course, I went on to, uh, I was uh, I was five years old and I was, uh, I was reading out loud, Little Men. So <laughs> uh, me, um, uh, I really think that this, uh, this uh, uh, film uh, holds up. Um, I, I like the fact that it has an origin story. I mean, those the, those turtles are so adorable in the very beginning. Uh, when when you got the little guys saying pizza, pizza, you know, it's uh, it's very cute, very adorable, adorable, and I get a kick out of the, uh, them doing their little like so freaking very young and. Um, you don't get that in like the new uh, the new tur uh, uh, turtles mo movies at all. So that's why I think that this movie outshines any other turtle movie in hmm. the face of the universe. So <laughs> going over to you, Jake. Why don't you? Yes. Tell <laughs> what's your first your first impression? Is this your first time watching it? <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> it is my first time watching it in a while, but definitely not my first time. I actually, as a child, was a very, very big fan of this show, and uh, I only recently acquired it for the collection. I thought about cracking it open for tonight, but I, there was no way I was getting anywhere close. 193 episodes, there was no way. So I was like, yeah. But I, I look forward to revisiting Was that? Yeah, it ran, for, it ran for 10 seasons. It ran for a long time. And and I don't think I probably ever saw the last half of the series. You know, I, I could be wrong. But um, I saw a lot of the early... I was really big into collecting the toys, and I really enjoyed the show. So when the movie came out, I was pretty stoked for it, definitely. I cannot honestly remember if I saw it in theaters. I think I did. Same thing with the second one. It's weird. I can't. I have no memory of it. So maybe I didn't, which just seems weird. As much as I would have wanted to go see them, but um, the I do remember the Pizza Hut tie-in, which is really weird because they actually have a product placement in the movie yes. for Domino's. I noticed that, but it's. I guess it's because for the. The whole series is such a product placement for pizza in general. <laughs> but uh, I do remember, and I do remember, 
they had like those promotional videos that came out. And I think I actually have the one that had some of the musical stuff on it. But I can, that's Everything one. That's one. Yeah, um, so, well, oh, we did have the soundtrack on cassette where it was like the character songs. I remember that. But again, that's long lost to history. I, I kind of miss it at times. Interesting. Uh, but, uh, Interesting fact about the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Uh, the actual music didn't get an official release until the year ago through Waxwork Records. Actually, just uh, yeah, just earlier this year, I downloaded the whole for that. I actually downloaded yeah. the whole thing and had I was listening to it like non nonstop for the first uh, like month, two months of the pandemic. The sad thing is with this one, um, and my memories of the first one are kind of tied up with my memories of the second one. They were released less than a year apart. And the second one supposedly was intended to be more like the cartoon because the first one was too dark. Too, yeah, too dark. Yeah. yeah. So I remember lots. I remember the two movies almost as one. You know what I mean? So it's like, right. I really couldn't tell you which one I saw more when I was younger. Yeah. Uh, I do know it's been a while, and I do know this was my first watch of the third movie. But, yeah. yeah we, went, we went back and watched all three of them. All right. Right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, I guess we, yeah, we, this is not my first, this was not my first time watching it. Um, I did, so I didn't see it in theater. I didn't see, I actually didn't see, see the first one in theaters. Um, I actually did see the second movie in theaters. Uh, actually, the second, I saw the second movie in theaters. It was actually the very first movie I ever saw in a theater. Hmm. Uh, and I still remember spilling my popcorn while, while watching it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I was three, because I was, three, I was three years old when the second one came out. My dad took me to watch. Took me to see it. That was my first my first cinema going experience. But um, the, the first movie, I had it on VHS and I watched it until the until the tape went defective. And yes, <laughs> and even back then, I remember what, wondering like, how come there was a commercial for Pizza Hut at the beginning, but there, yet there's probably placement for Domino's in the movie. Uh, but uh, it's still, but it's still one of my top. It's still one of my. Uh, but actually, well, actually, it's a two-month effective, I, but um, about maybe several years after it went effective when DVDs finally, when DVDs hit the market, I uh, took I, got, I took some of my Christmas, some of the money I had gotten for Christmas and on the media play and bought it on, bought it on DVD. And mm-hmm. about nine years ago, I was at the Sundance Film Festival where I met, where I met Kevin Clatt, where I met Kevin Clatt, right. who voiced and puppeteered Splinter, and I got him to autograph, autograph it. And he was, when he saw it, he was like, Oh my god! I can't believe somebody knows I was in this movie. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but uh, I did eventually. Oh, Dave, you got pe- you got some pizza. <laughs> oh, sure, probably that. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, but I but uh, I but uh, I did. So I missed it in theaters. No anchovies, dude. And I mean, no anchovies. Uh, but uh, this was my. But I uh, no, I missed it in theaters. But I did watch it a lot on, on VHS. I was a fan of the cartoon. Uh, video games. I didn't really have. I only had. A, I, I, I didn't have a, a whole oh, lot. Yeah. Of the arcade game was classic. Yeah. I love that. Uh, <laughs> Open time. Open time. That was one of my all-time favorite SNES, Super Nintendo games. Um, and then I and, about, and then like around the time that the original cartoon was was winding, was coming down to an end. I was at a I was at a comic store around the corner from my grandma's house, and I bought a trade paperback of the original uh, Kevin Eastman and Peter Lloyd comics. 
uh, kind of a shock to me because of how great, you know, because of how 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 dark and violent they were. They're pretty gritty, yeah. And I, but then I, but I was, but then as I was reading the comics, I was like thinking back, like there's a lot of moments where I'm like, hey, I remember this, this moment happened, how this moment played out in the movie. So mm-hmm. overall, so this has actually become one of my. Top, this is actually one of my top ten, probably one of my top ten comic book movies, one of my all time favorite superhero movies. Um. I love the voice work. Love the voice. I think the voice work is like I read the comics. I think of the cast of this movie when I when they're saying when I'm re- when I'm reading the dialogue. Uh, <laughs> I've also and um, I've also and you know, live, you know I live here you know since I live in New York uh, and uh, you know because of family I've been here a lot growing up. Um, I I you know I've been to a lot. Of, I've actually been to a, been to a number of the filming locations for these movies. Uh, like uh, and uh, which I I had planned on sh- I, I did yeah but in the film a lot of the film locations um, they're a lot different now than they were a lot of them, a lot of them are actually quite a bit different now than they were thirty years ago mm-hmm. uh, including the theater where Raphael goes to see Critters saying uh, thirty years ago made me feel so old you feel old and it's uh, and also like the, the, also the puppet work by Jim, this is some of the best puppet work that Jim Henson ever did has ever ever did in his career. Uh, it just looks really. I mean, even though some people like to point out how much point out it's how much of it, you know, there are people who do point out its age, but I still think it looks it looks better than uh, the CGI that was used in the in the last two mo- in, the, in the last two. It looks mm-hmm. better than the CGI that was used in the last two movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, and much better than the puppeteering in the third. Oh, yeah. well, the movie, they even use Jim. They didn't even use you no, they didn't. Your shop. Yeah. Knock uh, off, Henson. <laughs> yeah. And uh, okay, so I think I think uh, we all I think uh, we've all we've all gone. Uh, first impressions. All right. Uh, okay, and then next. Uh, I guess okay. So I guess we we're, we're gonna go around and talk about the movie. You know, talk about the movie. Uh, break down. Do do a play by play of the movie. So um. And I think, and I think, you know, I think we have agree that it's, you know, it was a pretty easy to follow. It's a pretty easy to follow movie. Um, yeah. Very economic. It's actually, you know, compared to like later movies, it's very has a very economical story. It has it has a very economical storytelling. Like they don't really like, yeah. like it has, it's, you know ninety minutes, uh, a very modest thirteen million dollar budget, and it all goes on. It, it all shows up on screen. Oh yeah, um, I, I know that uh, th- this is a pretty straightforward concept. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, at the get go, but we kind of get like in the uh, very beginning of the f- f- film, we kind of get a um, a darker feel to the uh, 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 the, uh, the uh, this um, per se, especially with Raphael's character. Right. So, speaking of Raphael. What did it, everyone think of Raphael? He's my favorite. He is my favorite turtle. <laughs> I, I want to give him the most to do. I, I wanted to say that as a child, seeing this in theaters, it was, and I don't know who said this. It could have been one of many of the uh, film people that I watch on YouTube that cover the Turtles movies. But the idea, and he said it, and it brought back the uh, thoughts in my mind that this was a movie that used some adult language didn't hold back and they weren't dropping f-bombs but they were pushing on limits yeah i i I learned damn from this movie yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
now, but back in back then, but back in 1990, like saying "damn" in a kid in a kids movie was a big deal. And that fight between him and Casey Jones at the very beginning, it just uh, to me, it's still one of my favorite scenes. It might be the one I select at the end. You'll have to stick to the end to find out. I find I find that, I find that in the age of, in that you know in the wake of uh, all the steroid controversy in baseball, that that line about you know. Was, you know, when, about when uh, when Casey's attacking Raph and Raph grabs his bat, he looks at the label and he says, "A Jose Canseco bat. Tell me you didn't pay money for this." That like, I feel like in the age of of uh, all of mm-hmm. in baseball, that that line takes on a whole new meaning. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, I remember when baseball cards. I remember when baseball cards were in existence, and uh, Jose Canseco was yeah. like the the well sought after card that everyone Ooh, wanted really? to have. <laughs> this was during the very brief window of time that I actually cared about baseball, and that was one of the names I knew. So I, I would have got that reference and gone, oh, but nowadays I probably would have, I think I know that name. <laughs> you know, if, if they picked the current one, you know what I mean? But like, uh, yeah, now Ralph was one of my favorites when I was younger. I think him and Michelangelo were probably my favorites as a. Uh, of the turtles and fells, you know, I always gravitated, as I often do, towards some of the side characters, you know, but, and we'll talk about a couple of those as we go on, you know, the, uh, some of the ones I liked didn't show up in any of the movies, but, you know, more for the show, but. <laughs> yeah, a lot of the characters that were in the cartoon were, were, were created exclusively for the cartoon, to sell more toys. Mm-hmm. But, a lot of them, yeah. Uh, uh, I do understand this movie was actually pretty damn faithful to the comic. I've never read yeah. the comic. I need to one day. Well, I actually have, the, I actually have the, the first issue of the comic book autographed by, mm-hmm. autographed by Kevin, autographed by, Ke- by, 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 co- by co-creator Kevin Eastman. Nice. Nice. And, I, and when I met him, I met him at Comic-Con, I asked him who was favorite turtle, right? He said, he said Raphael. Mm-hmm. Which we better in my day, but uh, anyway, <laughs> yeah, Raph is my favorite turtle. Um, I, you know, I relate to him in some ways in that he's a loner, a ticking, kind of a ticking time bomb. And I, what, do I, we, what do we think about Ava O'Neill uh, as a news reporter of the '90s? She's a babe. <laughs> her, her narration at the beginning, it set it up kind of the grittier tale. Yeah. It was great. Uh, and uh, her doing that when she wakes up, it's like, well, do the rat I saw. But she she did an excellent job. I actually preferred mm-hmm. her to the Megan Fox portrayal yeah. in the uh, remake. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... I don't know. I, I also was a fan of the original animated April O'Neil, the yellow right. jumpsuited one. She was wearing a yellow raincoat in the beginning. Yeah, you know, the, yeah, that's another topic with the raincoat. Um, Apparently, they, they wanted to do the jumpsuit, and Judith Hogue was like, no. So, prior to Ninja Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, Judith mm-hmm. Hogue was in Cataract Man with Robin Williams. Right. And Robin Williams was actually was reportedly a big fan of the of the comic, right. and so when so when she told she apparently she, apparently she told Williams that she had gotten that role the role of April O'Neil while they were making Cadillac Man, and he actually helped to helped her prepare for that role by loaning out his collection to her. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Nice. Yeah. 
So, so you said you, you liked her better than Megan Fox. Which one do you prefer, uh, Jay Hogg or Paige Turco? Yeah. <laughs> well, Dane, uh, uh, what what are your um, thoughts on some of the characters in this film? Um, well, I think uh, they seem to be fairly well fleshed out relative to their um, appearing in a movie that adapts aspects like some of the darker aspects of the comics along with the you know brightly colored masks and you know totally radical dude you know aspects of the show um, yeah, in the comic they all have the same color mask yeah, yeah I, was just, I was just gonna say that they have the same color mask and i correct me if i'm wrong I think they even have the same weapons in the comics as well. Uh, um, the, weapons from the, the weapons that they use in the movies and the cartoons are the same ones they use in the comics. But for the masks, okay. the masks were, the, were the big difference. Well, and partially okay. that was because the original comics were in black and white, if I recall. Yeah, yeah. There's, a, there's, 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 kind of a, there's kind of a joke about that in... Uh, one of the later Turtle movies, Turtles Forever, mm -hmm. where all the different versions of the Turtles meet each other. And mm -hmm. the original Turtles from the comic, who are still in black and white, are like, you know, I kind of like the colored... I kind of like the colored bandanas and the belts with the... Because the cartoon Turtles have, like, the first one of names on their belts. And they're like, we kind of yeah. like that. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> Yeah, exactly who they are. I mean, I'll say I'll say this um, again. I'm not like the biggest expert in this subject matter, but um, I will say that um, the distinguishing factors of the four turtles um, and the fact that they're brothers and all that stuff—they seem to have a halfway decently fleshed out family dynamic, and also. Um, they seem to have more in the way of characterizations than uh, even the you know franchise I love, Power Rangers. Um, like I love the twenty seventeen film of Power Rangers because they kind of had to retcon characteristics, uh, it retcon them into existence. Whereas here, you know, you could say that um, you know are they the most fleshed out characters in the world? Well, no, but it's obviously you know it's a kids movie. Um, you know, about radical turtles that eat pizza and fight the Foot Clan and all that, but I would say that uh, they definitely have more that makes them stand out than other similar franchises that came out at around the same time. One thing along the relationships that uh, I, I think I may have remembered vaguely, but I really noticed this time around that I thought was kind of fun is how... Um, you kind of have, like, Michelangelo and Donatello, even though they are usually thought of as very different, like Michelangelo is thought of the party dude, you know, as they say in the theme song, and Donatello, Donatello is a, nah! <laughs> 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 I actually thought meant to Revenge of the Nerds, since, uh, since, uh, uh, since Brian Tochi, who played Takashi yeah. in that movie, uh, uh, you know, they were in these movies. Oh, right. Yeah, I, I had not caught that connection. But but basically, the, the two of them, the Michelangelo and Donatello, they're like always joking back and forth. They're always bantering. And so it's like, well, I just well, like well, how well, they're What's that? I think Leonardo well, and Raphael are always butting heads. They're always butting heads. And, you know, Leonardo wants to get along with everyone. But, you know, Raphael's kind of like, you know, I do my own thing. But 
they I like that little aspect of like the I guess like the two of them kind of I guess you could say they kind of try to be the glue that you know but the way they always are joking with each other, it's kind of fun that they, you know, the intellectual and the goofy one are, yeah. are, are always on the same wavelength somehow. <laughs> I, I thought that was kind of neat. Yeah, like when they're in the fight, uh, you know, when Leonardo and, Leonardo and uh, Raphael, Raphael mm -hmm. are in a disagreement about, about mm -hmm. how they should uh, look, for, look for Splinter when he's kidnapped by the foot. Uh, they, you know, they sneak off to the kitchen uh, and to snack on pork, to store, snack on pork rind. So like literally when they when they're at, when they're in hiding on April's on April's farm, you know, April get into a, get into a get into a get into an argument, and uh, and slam you know and slam, you know they slam the doors on each other and uh, and Donatello turns to Michelangelo and just says, "Gosh, it's kind of like moon it's kind of like moonlighting," which <laughs> which is probably the one pop culture pop <laughs> culture reference in that movie that because there's a lot of pop culture references in this movie. Right. I feel like that one's probably aged the only one that's really aged the worst. I've because, never known what they were talking about. Bruce Willis in Civil Kevin Smith would sure as shit know Moonlighting because he was like, apparently out of Bruce Willis's entire filmography, that was like the, his favorite thing that he ever did, even more so than Die Hard. It was kind of the thing that had him on the map before Die Hard. I guess Die Hard kind of turned him into the action star, but yeah. Yes. I've actually never seen an episode of Moonlighting, but one day. I did want to make an observation real quick about the mask while still thinking about it. They may be different colors, and in the cartoon, it really helps keep them uh, separate. But yeah. in the movies, I found that you cannot... Half the time, I could not tell Leonardo from Donatello based on the masks. And it was often difficult of, because the lighting didn't really work well. With, you know, it, the daytime scenes, yes, but there were so many scenes where you really had to go by the weapons and by their behavior yeah. more than the masks. I, really I, I never really had it. I don't know. I just never really had that issue watching, watching it. Like, it's very day I didn't... Uh... And of course, once I realized that Donatello was quite filmed, it made it much easier to recognize him. Yep. <laughs> uh, and, I was just like, I and, don't think and, I realized that until the third one, though. And uh, Michelangelo is voiced by Robbie, Robbie Rist, a.k.a. Cousin Oliver from the Brady Bunch. <laughs> <laughs> and the alien from Alien, the movie. The alien from what? what? Which? Yeah. Uh, the alien from the Angry Video Game Nerd movie. Oh yes, yes. Oh yes. <laughs> I would expect he was casted because of that, because of his role as Michelangelo. Probably. Oh, the nerd is such a is such a Turtles fan. Yeah, he he was actually explicitly. Um, and uh, what's actually super fun fact about the uh, not to get too far off, off topic, but super fun fact about the actual Turtles animatronics. Have you seen how badly they've deteriorated in the? You know, thirty plus years that they've I've been around. Pic I've seen pictures. Yeah, mm -hmm. well, that's that's not surprising because movie props are not really built to yeah. last. So you know, 
Well, I think that one of the people that played uh, Donatello in one of the movies, I can't remember which one, apparently became a comedian and, and uses the props as, as part of his... Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I know one of the actors who wore the Donatello suit was Ernie Reyes Jr., who went on to play King right. the Boy in the second movie. Right. Mm-hmm. And Corey Feldman yeah. was Donatello in the third movie. Right. Yeah. Except he's been rehabbed the second time around. Right, right. There was a lot of change-ups behind the scene between that first and second movie, given how short the production window was. Right. Because we had Feldman wanted to rehab. Uh, Jim Henson unfortunately passed away right after the movie came out. Um, Um, And the pressure to make it more more family-friendly. Right. Hmm. But anyway... (laughs) But yeah, but if you're, but if you were to recommend a movie, if you wanted to, if you wanted to, I I think if if someone would ask me like if to recommend a a movie about to make a list of movies like set in like the battle days of New York, like the Mm -hmm. I would probably put like you could probably put like almost any crazy movie from that movie movie from that time, uh, almost any Abel Ferrara movie, and then Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Funny you say that because I would well, funny you say that because actually, um, um, James Ralph in his review of the very first movie, he said that he kind of considered the first movie as chronicling the end of the '80s and the beginning of the '90s, which obviously it's 1990s, so it fits yeah. just right. It was a production during 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 the fall of 1989. So yeah, well, but it, it definitely in terms of the look of New York City as well as just the overall fashion sense, as heightened. <laughs> as it is, and, you know, not 100% realistic as it is, it still manages to capture a lot of, like, uh, like if you play any video game from, like, the early 90s, it's always, mm-hmm. the, like, skater punk <laughs> with the mohawks and, and you know, the, it's always about mutants and ooze and all that stuff. This definitely well, captures that. Like, for example, uh, not, like, well, like, so, one of the video ga- so one of the video games that, uh, that prominently appears in the Shredder's Lair, Mark, <laughs> Anyone playing up growing up? Oh yeah, no. I mean, uh, I go to arcades when I could. We had to go to the big city because the one we had closed real quickly. But uh, still, it was uh, it was cool seeing that. Plus, New York mm-hmm. itself, uh, I have <laughs> only been there a few times in my life. Uh, we have at least we have one resident here, <laughs> but uh, but so, uh, New York is amazing how it's changed. It, it's a changing and evolving city. It's always been that mm-hmm. way. <laughs> we, um, let's look at one of the backstories of this uh, uh, this particular film with uh, young Danny Pennington, who uh, is evidently the son of one of April O'Neil's like friends at work or whatnot. He's her boss's son. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, we're kind, of, we're kind of setting up the characters before we get into the plot. Yeah. Right. Yep. Well, we mentioned that initial intro from April, where it's basically a newscast, where she's talking about gangs who are very much, uh... Stealthy. 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 I was going to say invisible, I don't know why my brain froze on me. I mean, you say so... Like, <laughs> but, but yeah, all these, all these, uh... 
useful gangs or whatever. And and yeah, you come to find out that that you've got all these these kids that are kind of uh, wayward. Looks like yeah, the wayward kids. Uh, Danny being one of them. It, it looks like they're runaways, they're orphans, and they all gather at this like arcade-looking like place. Right. It's, it's, under, it's underground, and we realize that evidently that uh, they are all like it, trainees for yeah. the Foot Clan. Okay. Yeah, one of, and one of these, one of the actually one of the actually one of these uh, one of these wayward teens that hangs out hangs out at this. Uh, uh, okay. Also, right now, first of all, the 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 Foot Clan's the Shredder's Lair is probably one of the best villains' lairs I have ever seen in film or television. I mean, they got an arcade, a pool, a pool hall, skateboard park. Yeah. I mean, well, again, as you said, this is the film really does a good job of capturing the time and place. Like mm-hmm. to someone who is, I guess, between an older kid. And a young adult in that time frame, yeah, they ought to look at that going, "Oh man, I'll, I'll join that group." You know, <laughs> yeah, and actually, but among those wayward teens is, is a young is actually a young Sam Rockwell. Uh, that was one of his first hey, roles. He, see, he was the oh, he, he was the guy he was the he was the guy who was showing who was showing the the kids around uh, showing perspective really? members around the around the where regular uh, and yeah, he's, he's yeah, a Mr. Head Frog. Huh. You, know, you know what it reminds me? That place always reminded me of the Fantasy Island in uh, Pleasure Island. Like you were, yeah. Pleasure Island, yeah. yes. I, I, I and, intention. That was yeah. possibly intentional, yeah. And actually when Crack Magazine, Crack Magazine did a parody of the movie, uh, they, 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 when they showed the Shredder's Lair, Walpick uh, from Pinocchio was, 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 in, was in the, in the lair as, as, as an Easter egg. <laughs> See, instead of turning them into donkeys, they were turning them into ninjas. And apparently two of the other, quote, thugs that were not credited were Scott Wolf and Skeet Ulrich. So there were some people who kind of got there. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. Um, But yeah, I had seen that that was an intentional homage to uh, that scene in Pinocchio in a way. That's kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so da- so da- so Danny is uh, is the he is, he is the he is the son of April's boss. He is mm-hmm. one of the many wayward te- he is one of the many wayward teens, uh, and he and um, at one point he gets he gets a, he gets picked up by the he gets picked up by the police for stealing, for trying to steal a car radio, mm-hmm. and and uh, the chief of police police uh, chief Stearns mm-hmm. uh, tries to try uh, tries to strong arm. Uh, strong on April Boss Charles into having into making April drop the drop the drop the Foot Clan story uh, because mm-hmm. uh, because you know, since since she keeps pressing she since she keeps pressing uh, Stearns about it about she it she keeps embarrassing him on TV about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so April O'Neil isn't exactly like on the side of the law, is she? She's well, she is. Herself. She's an invest. She's an investigative reporter, and she's right. a very very good one. She's not on the side of um, making people look good if, if they don't need to. She's the lowest letting of the story. Exactly, exactly. yeah. you got to have that feisty reporter woman right. who is like a busting all the uh, busting the balls of the man at the time. <laughs> when the man's, like, the man's uh, not you know, completely helpless against, against an army of 
of uh, ninja an army of ninjas. Well, mm -hmm. and it's <laughs> and it's uh, de definitely shown here where where April gets somewhat involved with the the, the Foot Clan because of a uh, a fluke where she is leaving her news place and she realizes that the Foot Clan is stealing like electronics outside her building and uh, she basically gets kind of kidnapped yeah. sort of mugged and lo and behold the turtle on a white horse comes to her rescue turtles, the turtles show up um, and save Just her from the mugging Two more. Well, Raphael shows up by himself the second time. Yes, yes in the subway. Yeah, yeah we, we see the turtles. I timed this. It's about five minutes in before we actually see the turtles. <laughs> so, uh, and then what you do not see them right away. It's like you see, again, they, the light goes out, they beat up the, the, the punks, and then uh, you see as, the, uh, as they're going into the sewer, you kind of, you, you see Ralph realizes he lost his sigh, and he's, you know, oh man. But then as they're going through, the, they're gradually revealed as they're walking through the sewers, and that's kind of, it's a pretty cool reveal. I mean, it's yeah, a good yeah. way to start the... Oh, Child Me was ecstatic. Was Sitting kidding. there in the theater and being like... Talk about knowing your audience. Uh, hang Sorry. on a second. Timer went off. Uh, talk about knowing your audience. Like That was not only a good way to build up the suspense just to reveal your lead characters anyway, but it's particularly because given the target audience of kids, it's like, talk about how to make them go fucking apeshit in a theater <laughs> and make it unforgettable. I mean, I actually went to go see it. There's, uh, there's actually a theater in my a theater by, by, I actually went and saw it, saw it on the big screen uh, mm -hmm. just about a week ago, and I'm st I still lost my shit uh, in, that <laughs> in, in, in that intro. <laughs> Right. That's a that's a that man seeing that at a theater like everybody must have lost their minds to see the turtles in like live action. Well, I'm telling you, seeing it for the first time on a first run with just a bunch mm -hmm. of kids my age at the yeah. time, I was like tenish at mm -hmm. the time it came out. It was just like the whole theater went nuts when that happened. I should remember if I saw that in theater. Yeah, I eventually did actually did see it in theaters, but uh, not, not until I was an adult. <laughs> I know that I watched uh, watched the uh, uh, animation like for a, a long while, and I know that I was definitely way too young for my mom to like, even remotely take me to the theater to see it. So, uh, so uh, to me. I was happy with the VHS. <laughs> the, earliest, the earliest live action one I have a full memory of seeing was another comic book adaptation from 1990. I know I went to the theater to see Tracy. Tracy. Yeah, and that's like that. Those two, that Ninja Turtles and that Bob Darker. I mean, yeah. So I don't know. It's weird. I don't. I don't remember hearing all the. Complaints about that one being super dark, like they never heard about this like, one. That was like being shot up. Yeah. Which, which one? 
Dick Tracy. Oh, I... Dick Tracy was a thing, wasn't it? I saw oh, it, but I have no memory of it. <laughs> it's underrated, I think. It's it uh, it's visually stunning. Like, no other movie looks like it. Mm -hmm. huh. Maybe we'll have to check it out some other time. Right. Plus, if you want to see Al Pacino go completely batshit in a way that doesn't scream Al Pacino. <laughs> yeah, maybe oh, he got, got a Best Supporting Actor nomination for it, right. by the way. Right. Another uh, film I saw way too young at first, uh, that it wasn't, uh, I wasn't able to really enjoy it suitably <laughs> until I was an adult. Yeah. Anyway, we, um... Anyway, um, yeah, this does... Plot, I guess, or... Uh, well, let's see. Have we established all the characters so that people will know who we're talking about? Yeah, so we've, talk we've talked about Raphael, April O'Neil, Dan, uh, Danny, Raphael kind of gets the most development out of the turtles. Yeah. yeah. And we should talk about Shredder, too, because Shredder oh, yeah. is... This is one of the coolest iterations of the Shredder. Like, he's very... He's very, he's very dark and grim in this one. Well, he is uh, he's presented as an old uh, he's presented as an old foe of um, Master Splinter's master, uh, and originally called Orokusaki, and he he does give a little bit of a menace in this. It's a it's a pretty fun version, I think. I remember I he actually kind of scared of him. Comics. He's a lot more lethal. Yeah. Was a lot more bumble. He was more of a bumbling. He was more of a bumbling villain. He was a yeah. Cobra Commander type. In the comics, he in the comics he basically shows up and dies in the first issue. Yeah, yeah, gets, yeah, but yeah. He got impaled on he got he got uh, he, he got impaled on Leonardo's sword mm. and then uh, fell off a, and then fell off a building and they didn't even they couldn't even find his body. Mm. Well, he tried to kill the turtles with a he tried to. Use a grenade on the turtles, and he blew himself up. Oh, well, that's silly. Yeah, it's kind of sad that it's kind of funny that a one-off joke kind of made it into like one of their major villains uh, for ages, really. Right. Yeah. Iterations of the series. Right. The fight with the four turtles at the end of the first movie that he had was just like, "I'm going to show you how badass I really am. You can all come at me at once." <laughs> right. Well, it's like, and they're all kind of like joking and like, oh, you know, you make a lot of coleslaw in that yeah. outfit or something like that. <laughs> like, yeah, it's for making cold cuts. This has so Maybe. many good one-liners. Like, I remember most of them too. So, right. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be making, I'm gonna be saying a lot of quotes. Sorry, guys. <laughs> right, and so, okay, so, and I guess uh, as far as the characters, um, uh, Leonardo. Yeah. He's kind of the Boy Scout of the group. I mean, he really is. He's the he's Splinter's strongest disciple. Well, he, oh, he's extremely competent. He gets, uh, and yeah. Hmm? What were you saying, Dave? Dave? Dave is frozen. Oh, I was saying that... Uh, that <laughs> I'm still here. Okay. We know. Can you hear me? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Weren't you saying it? Weren't you making a point, Dave? Yeah, you're trying to make a point. And then well, um... 
I think I'll just uh, leave it up to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> you were just you were just eating pizza, weren't you? You weren't trying to say anything. Uh, we're always going to point. Hey, so long as they didn't put anchovies on that pizza. <laughs> he's in. He's in. He's here in spirit. Just, yeah. just ghost, ghost peppers and blue cheese. There you go. Right. Good time. Oh, God. <laughs> Flies, stink bugs. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. No, I'm just kidding. Be adorable. Well, in, the yeah. cartoon, in the cartoon, they have like marshmallow and chocolate pizzas and stuff. Ice cream, jelly bean, and mushroom. <laughs> um, but okay, okay. So Leonardo, so he's the boy. So boy scout of the group. Um, and de facto leader of the turtles. Yeah, yeah. There's really not much. I feel like there's really not much to him compared to like Raphael. Uh, Raphael gets the most development in this. Um, okay, and um, my, and I think you know Mike and you know Michelangelo. He's the party dude. Gets a lot of the good one pointers. He uh, clearly clearly has the hots for April, and somehow she's not totally weirded by it. But she's <laughs> <laughs> uh, kind of like a big sister role with them. Right, it's yeah. kind of interesting. You know, they're all. Did we touch on Casey? Listen. No, we are no, getting no, no, no. to Casey yeah. after the turtles. Don't, oh yeah, yeah. 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 Well, yeah. Don't Maybe we should do Donatello first. We do get Donatello out of the way first. Mm-hmm. Oh, my favorite of the turtles uh, <laughs> as a child. I always liked. I, I was always picked on for wearing glasses and reading mm-hmm. a lot as a child because mm-hmm. back in the days when I went to school, reading was considered stupid, mm-hmm. and people would pick on you for reading. Um, they still do. Yeah, yeah. Although, yeah. I, you know, even though I joke about him being the nerd, you know, I I, I related to him too a lot. So, yeah, I always like because he made all the cool machines and yeah. the cool items, yes. and I also thought, and also I played the NES game, and mm-hmm. he was clearly the only one that had a lot of use to him in that game. I mean, <laughs> just used Michelangelo and Raphael for the for the underwater stage. <laughs> Which kind of nightmares from right from those of us who played NES growing up? Oh man, that that uh, that technically impossible to play game. Uh, I've noticed how this has kind of turned into a referendum on like the Ninja Turtles in general. Like it has such a rich mythology, it's hard to yeah. it's hard to stick on one piece of it. Right, which is the 1990 movie because there was you know at the time there was a lot going on for the turtles. Mm-hmm. And Which is yeah. kind of weird, because from what I understand, each one of the movies went into production with the people. The first one was like a Hail Mary pass to get it done. And then the second and third ones, they were kind of like, well, we got to get them done because this fad will be over soon. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like... Some of the best turtle stuff has come out in like the last five years, like the, the new IDW... Ninja Turtles series is maybe the best Ninja Turtles thing that's ever been created. Even even the original We're ignoring the magnum opus of We're ignoring the Magnum opus of all of Turtledom, which is the coming out of their shells tour. (laughs) (laughs) Oh I did allude to that. I did or the next mutation. Yeah, you know, it's, um, kind of, it's kind of fascinating how the suits for the movie are so good, and the suits for 
that unspeakable musical experience were so... <laughs> they didn't have Jim Henson to work with exactly. them all. <laughs> they didn't have that company working with them for that. Okay, See, so I found a way to tie it in. Anyway, um, oh, anyway so as far as far, uh, up, uh, Casey Jones, what do you think of Casey Jones? I was one of those side characters I was talking about. I've always liked Casey Jones. <laughs> They have like they butt heads, but at the same time they love each you know, they love each other like they love each other like brothers. They have kind mm-hmm. of a mutual they have like a mutual respect kind of mm-hmm. after the first battle. Yeah. He reminds me of like Jack Burton with a hockey mask. <laughs> No, he's a lot more competent than Jack Burton. Jack Burton is all talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this guy's competent. I like their initial meeting where they're having. We, we talked already about the Jose Canseco thing, but then uh, I liked where he pulled out the cricket bag yeah. and asked, like, really? Cricket? No one knows. You gotta, <laughs> you gotta know what a crumpet is to understand cricket. <laughs> uh, like they're all from New York, but only Raphael has like the really thick New York accent. Yeah, we've done that with almost every iteration of the franchise uh, since, since then. Is that he sounds like who actually talks like a New Yorker? Right, and I loved Casey Jones in all the iterations that I saw him in, comic book wise, uh, except for his appearance in the third movie, but. He was the baby, the baby, the baby, yeah. the emperor's guards. Because he did get the butt winter in the third movie. Even in the fourth, even in that fourth iteration, which I had some issues with. Worst, yeah, I did like yeah. the characterization of Leonardo because it gave him a lot more. It was the only time I saw him with a lot of character outside of the comics, and. Casey Jones had that cool metal mask that April brought him back. Right. So, and he was worse than Chris Evans. Yes. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. So you said that, that was you were talking to him and T right there. And I, I still say I I found that moderately interesting. I want to say wasn't that Rinko Kikuchi that was actually in that? That's one reason I love that. But uh, it felt like a video game cutscene to me. The whole movie. As as a, it didn't feel like a real movie. Uh, that was yeah. Right. Oh, hey, Patrick Stewart was in that. I forgot about that. Yep. Yep. No, Dean Song. Well, Pat Marino was. Uh, I mean, they had a heck of a cast. Chris Evans, Sam Michelle Geller, Mako, Kevin Smith, Patrick Stewart, Z Zhang, Lawrence Fishburne. John DiMaggio, Kevin Michael Richardson, Fred Tedeschi, that's an all-star cast there. Let's go back. That's the most impressive thing about that movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've established who's who, so getting back to the plot, I don't think we need to talk about every scene, like just the major scenes. No. No, yeah. Uh, which this movie this movie is ninety minutes and it moves mm-hmm. lightning fast. Like there is <laughs> you can kinda tell it's it's sort of made for kids in how there's never anything dull there's never a dull moment. No. It's all something it's all no. engaging. When April ends up showing up at their lair and Splinter mm-hmm. begins to tell the story girls, 
that is one of my favorite moments in the film, where you where you get this, you know, somewhat of an origin story of his his growing up, learning how to do his own ninjutsu with this master of his, with which ends up being his. Uh, 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 ultimate enemy in, in in the end, you know, and then and then you get the the Eternals uh, that kind of ended up in this ooze and uh, mutating, you know, and yeah, it's start the classic backstory. Yeah, how yeah, he got the ooze. Revenge for his but, master's killing. <laughs> yep. Yeah, but I really, really like the way that uh, that they show the mutations of the turtles. So mm -hmm. to to, yeah. uh, to me, it's not just a classic backstory; it is the backstory. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I love the portrayal of Splinter as a young rat. Uh, now, that, that is somebody who grew up with the cartoon. I didn't c discover the comic until I was in my teens. Mm -hmm. But uh, this, the thought that it was... Because uh, the cartoon, it was actually the guy who was transformed into the right. rat. And right. in this, it was uh, it was a rat owned by the guy. Yes. By Hamato Yoshi. Which I think was more the comic book route, wasn't it? Right. In the comic book, uh, Splinter, uh, Splinter and Hamato Yoshi are separate characters. Yeah. I think another unique scene in this film is when the tur uh, turtles are trying to hide from the boss of of O'Neill, and you know uh, they're they're hiding underneath the table right. and, and the only one who sees the, uh, the them possibly is Danny <laughs> yeah this is after the foot clan finds their hat out and Splinter is kidnapped while the turtles are away right and uh, yeah and then Danny goes and then uh, and then uh, Danny like while, while waiting in traffic while waiting in traffic with his dad Danny escapes from, escape, escapes, uh, gets out of the car, uh, car and runs to the subway to the, to the Shredder's lair. And, and, uh, rats mm -hmm. the map, rats, and no pun intended, rats the map <laughs> really, the location to the Shredder. Uh, who, uh, send, who sends, who sends the foot, who sends the foot clan to April's apartment, uh, and end up, and attack Raph. That was the movie. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a great scene where the rooftop fight with Raph fighting off, like, 40 foot soldiers yes like it's got one of the best lines in the movie too like i have a friend who who i think that's his favorite quote it's like come on how do you guys expect to beat me and he's just in dozens and dozens of ninjas show up and he's like good answer good answer <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, ultimately after that uh, that that's when uh, when they end up um we have our first having yeah, having their sorry. first, uh, having their first defeat. Yes, and they we get a big battle scene, and the turtles are doing pretty well until the building yeah. collapses and oh, lights on fire. It's an epic battle. There, you have them doing that thing with the axes to the floor, and Dot tells like, "Hey guys, uh, I don't think the structure is speaking." I don't know. I, that's one thing. Watching that again, I. I 
I'm like, with, with that with that many guy, I mean, with that many guy, like that many people in that on that floor, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, they were hacking up the floor with the axes, and there was a bunch of them there. But were they really yeah. fall through the floor? Like, were they really like be able to fall fall one floor through? Uh, well, they jumped <laughs> into the sky. They jumped in through the skylight. Yeah. Uh, we get that classic scene where Michelangelo uh, begins to shine with, uh, with his nunchucks and uh, yeah. they have a nunchuck yeah. battle uh, and that was kind of uh, uh, funny <laughs> yeah. fellow yeah. chucker eh yeah. <laughs> oh, quick question talking about like the fight in the foot clan did we mention Tatsu? No, we didn't talk about Tatsu. Oh, he's he's in charge of Tatsu is Shredder's second command, and he's in charge of training the foot soldiers. Right. And we get a we get a couple scenes early on, like just establishing his character, how he's this very stern, serious, mm-hmm. very guy. Yeah, very Japanese. He even attacks it like after after uh, the, the turtles get away from after the fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the Shredder takes his anger out on, on Tatsu, who, mm-hmm. uh, who then takes his anger out on the foot soldiers, nearly beating one to death. <laughs> which, uh, you know, again, not another dark moment for a kid's movie, but um, it's also one of those moments where Danny realizes, you know, he starts to question what he's getting involved with. Mm-hmm. One thing that if you notice, and this will be something out of the, it's kind of a perversion of one of the movie scenes that we're going to be watching next week. Which uh, Enter the Dragon, well, technically Bruce Lee brought the, uh, without him, I'm sure that there would not be a Nunchaku-wielding uh, turtle. Uh, but, uh, but also that scene at the beginning of Enter the Dragon, where they bow to each other and he hits him upside the head. The, of course, uh, our villain does more than that. He gives them a good being for it, but that same concept... Your eyes to the enemy. Yeah. And the other one would be, and of course Bruce Lee says it's nicer there, of course, because he's not a bad guy. He's like, never lower your eyes to your opponent, even when you bow. And that's, uh, I I think that they carried that over as kind of a tribute to that. Yeah. Yeah, we're talking about that next week, so it's not too... uh, to. That's kind of meant to establish... Uh, I took that to be, that's, from what I understand, that's, like, a really shocking, very dirty thing to do, like, in in the tradition, and so, uh, that kind of establishes these as, like, awful, ruthless people who have no moral code. Mm -hmm. Splinter said, no, honor. (laughs) Exactly. I like Splinter. I like Splinter's uh, uh, voice in here, especially when uh, when, yes. uh, when he is communicating uh, to, uh, to the turtles uh, uh, mm-hmm. on the turtles' farm, and uh, their very well done in spirit. This. Yeah. Yeah. That is a very com- very. I'm sorry. I think you oh, cut yeah. out. Um. Uh, <laughs> What is going on here? Okay. Um. So anyway. Um, okay. So we're so we're, so we're, so they've gone to the, so they 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 had their first defeat. They go to the they go to April's to April's to April's family farm. Mm-hmm. 
They start training again, they communicate with Splinter, April and Casey fart, you know, at first they hate each other, but then they start, get, but then they start getting closer to each other. Yeah. They, they get kind of, they're kind of attracted to each other, which sort of intensifies how they butt, they're butting heads. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he is. You can kind of tell it's going to happen. Right. Right. But he, he is definitely not an intellectual uh, character, and uh, so she dismisses him at first. But, you know, she's still kind of attracted, you know. And he definitely got bad for her. Uh, It'd be <laughs> almost cute if he wasn't so pig-headed. Right. And then, like, it immediately cuts to them having a fight over something ridiculous. I don't know if we mentioned, but we definitely ought to mention that Casey is played by Elias Kodius, who is a phenomenal actor. Yeah, and uh, he uh, he he does a really good job in this one. Uh, even though it seems like a simple character, that you know, he, I, I think in the in the hands of the wrong actor, it would have been a simple character. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah, but instead, he he came off really good, and it was bugging me. I was like, what was the movie? Because for some reason, I always envision Casey Jones in a wheelchair. And I'm like, that's not right. And then I saw these movies. I'm like, that's not right. And what it was was he was in a movie that came out that same year called Almost an Angel that I had totally forgotten about. And I, I finally looked it up as I was doing my homework here. That was a, a good Paul Hogan movie that has pretty much been forgotten. Um, now that I remembered, I'll have to find it. <laughs> he played a paraplegic in that movie and so I remember seeing that and going that's Casey Jones before this he played in Tucker the man in his dream uh, which uh, wasn't a, a too bad of a, mo- a movie uh, based on a, ma- a man who sold faulty cars <laughs> But anyway, uh, on the farm, we get to spend a little bit more time with each of the turtles. Yep. And maybe yeah, a little bit more of characters shine through. That's <laughs> drawing skills there. <laughs> yeah, that's a pleasant sequence. I, I enjoy that sequence a lot. Um, and then we get, and then after they have that, they have their, they have their, uh, they have the spirit vision of Magical Splinter. Right. They decide. They felt like they, they they decided it's time to go back to New York, mm-hmm. uh, and so they go back. They find they they go back to the lair and find Danny find Danny hiding out there, mm-hmm. and uh, and yeah, they, and they and and they oh God, they find a pizza and they find a pizza that had been topped with penicillin. <laughs> uh, it's moldy. Right, right. Penicillin eventually tops every pizza if you leave it up exactly. too. Exactly. <laughs> And they, they play like, they hum like taps for the pizza. They all go to bed and, uh, Danny, and Danny starts having uh, nightmares about the Shredder. And, uh, mm-hmm. and also thinking about like, what, the, what Splinter was telling him about fathers and sons. So he, decide, he, goes, he decides to go back to the Shredder's lair one last time. Mm-hmm. Where and here's the story of Oroku Saki from mm-hmm. Splinter. And realizes that yeah that he who that uh, the man who the man who killed Splinter's master is the man who's tr- who's trying to who's recruiting him to the Foot Clan, mm-hmm. and uh, the sh- and uh, that's when the Shredder confronts him, 
and uh, after and uh, shakes him down for answers, and find ends up and ends up finding the drop finding uh, one of April's sketches of, April, of the turtles, and yes. Shredder immediately forgets about him. They're back, yeah. and so we into. We enter into our final battle pretty fast after that. Mm-hmm. So, like, it just shows dozens of foot soldiers storming the, the turtles' lair. And we get gassed. <laughs> and then we're, we're, we're raining, like, in, you know, they, have, they get into one big, uh, one big, they get into one big fight. April, jo- April even joins in on the action. Uh, Donatello takes a skateboard and skateboard knocks a few, a few of them down. Mm-hmm. Like, even in the battle sequences, like, each turtle has a personality that comes through in, like, their fighting techniques. And I think that's a pretty, that's a like, pretty fun touch yeah, that's, that's classic TMNT. I like to say mm-hmm. that a lot of the uh, the uh, scenes with Shredder up until this point were just him looking big and mean and met- uh, metallic. He's just, he's but, just like, menacing. Yeah, and uh, his, his armor is really cool. Yes, right. Now, uh, speaking of his prior scenes, one that I did want to mention that I'm going through the quotes here, and it reminded me of it. There's that little part where I can't remember if it was his actual intro or kind of one of his more notable early moments. But like, there's the part where in the foot hangout, um, their their lair, where he gives that little inspirational speech, if you will, inspirational speech. Yeah, there's an initiation ceremony right. uh, for a new clan member. You are here because the outside world rejects you. This is your family. I am your father. Now, did anyone else, when he said that, think? Yeah, is this yeah. a Star Wars reference? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was like one part. It's like one part Darth Vader, one part um, exactly. one part uh, the coachman from Pleasure uh, uh, on Pleasure Island. Right. Yeah, from Pleasure Island. Which uh, right. James Ralph made the comparison between uh, Darth Vader and Obi Wan Kenobi in the final fight between him and Splinter. Yep. Right. And then there's another theoretically Star Wars ish reference where the uh where again when april meets the rat and she's like or meets splinter it's like i i, I, I you know it's like oh and i know you too <laughs> but like she's anyway, she's talking know. about being a dream and she's like why don't i have a dream of harrison Ford? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, the turtle, so the turtle chased the foot all, all the way up yeah. the, to the streets they shoot the focus mm-hmm. the sewers to the streets and make their mm-hmm. way up to a, to a nearby rooftop mm-hmm. where, where they eventually where they eventually they, they take down the, the, the foot clan the foot clan mm-hmm. the foot ninjas before shredder before they're finally confronted by the shredder mm-hmm. and meanwhile while all this is happening casey jones has tailed danny back to the hideout mm-hmm. and rescued splinter mm-hmm. and, and taken the hot yeah, we get to see Casey Jones fight Tatsu, and Tatsu is clearly a much better fighter than Casey Jones, but <laughs> Tatsu, Tatsu doesn't see... He moves by a backswing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tatsu, doesn't, Tatsu doesn't account for sports weaponry. <laughs> right. Oh, Casey is primarily a weapons fighter anyway, so that makes right. sense. Whereas the other guy is more of a hand-to-hand, so 
he was clearly at the disadvantage in hand, <laughs> one, but yeah. Plus, plus he had surprise. So, when <laughs> 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 again, <laughs> I like mm -hmm. that, that his uh, assortment of weapons are all uh, a, a, di a different uh, array of uh, sports equipment. <laughs> it's and, like he must have been a janitor for a gym. Yeah, it's able that he had played hockey professionally before he got injured. <laughs> that and, makes sense. And uh, so, and so the turtles, so the turtles fight. Uh, one, you know, each take turns trying to take take on the shredder, but he over. He overpowers each of them, but eventually he he overpowers each of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the way it's always the way it's always worked is the turtles fighting together can can beat Shredder, but they can't take him one on one. Hmm. And you really see that bear out in this. Oh yeah, right. Dane, what what would your uh, what was your take on this final battle of Shreddership? <laughs> well, um, like Dustin said, thematically that definitely makes sense because um, if indeed Shredder's supposed to be like the big bad guy, at least of this movie, if not the whole uh, series, you know, then it makes sense for any one of them to not really be able to do it alone. I mean, it's um, especially with the family emphasis. Um, you know, it's a little bit like with uh, the Fantastic Four when they're working at their best. It's when they learn to set aside their quarrels and, you know, fight as a team and as a family. So same same kind of thing here. But um, it also makes sense why in their early adventure there that their mentor would have to be the one to ultimately, you know, take out... Um, the Shredder, because, well, you know, he's their master, and they're not at all ready to stand on their own two feet yet. Especially against Shredder, like, Shredder and Master Splinter are always evenly matched. Um, especially, I mean, I know it's a little bit of a tangent, but especially in the, the IDW comic books that have been coming out the last yeah. five, six years. Um, it was actually, it's... Okay, I got the date a little bit wrong. Yeah. But, I, I, uh, I collect them, so... Oh, it's such a good series. Like, I'm, I'm going to recommend everybody read it. <laughs> Which one? The IDW Teenage Mutant uh, Ninja Turtles. Yeah, they even get, they even get, they even team up, they get, to, see, get to team up with uh, Batman, the Ghostbusters, the, uh, the Power Rangers, and the Transformers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember the Batman team up. I remember seeing that, and I think they they made a Batman team up cartoon. They, they, did, so. they made a movie, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, that came out quite recently. Just last year. It's funny to say that, yeah. It's not as good as the actual crossover comic, but it's right. still fine. It's one of those cross for me, it's one of those crossovers that I've been wanting to see since the 90s. <laughs> I, wish they, I wish they had done it. Well, it's got to be better than the... Uh, it's got to be better than the uh, cartoon All-Stars to the Rescue, right? I went through the Deer program, and uh, I remember that uh, that, that very uh, much. Yeah. That is the that is probably the best thing that George and Barbara Bush actually did um, for the country. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 
that that was actually uh, I, I take a very different stance on that but i did enjoy that cartoon when i was a kid and i recently tried to relocate it it's hard to find <laughs> i think i think it's only on vhs i don't i would be very curious to see what a vhs copy of that goes for on ebay it's I bet it's in at least double digits. It's just as elusive <laughs> as, that was... the, t- as the Tim Vinton um, Dinosaurs, a fun-filled adventure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that was uh, the Nostalgia Critics' like first official episode in character was on that special. And uh, in <laughs> the ABTN's like, earliest videos, he made references to it. He didn't actually review it, but he made references to it. All right. All right. So, so, uh, the, the, so, so, anyway, the trip, we have our, we have our climactic finish when Winter shows up and calls out, I know who you are, Oroku Saki, and (laughs) suddenly Shredder realizes, you're the rat that mauled me when I killed Yoshi. Mm-hmm. And now I will do. Now I will finish what I did with your ear. And he tra- he, char- he charges at at Splinter with his staff. That was mm-hmm. when, uh, when Spl- but uh, Splinter fakes him, fakes out fakes out and and co- causes the shredder to go flying over the building. But Cap cap mm-hmm. catches it with Michelangelo's nunchaku, mm-hmm. and uh, we, you know so Shredder's dangling off the edge of the off the end of off the dangling off this building with Splinter holding with Splinter holding him. And Splinter mm-hmm. gives like a great speech. Yes, like yeah, yeah, that's for us all, Saki. But for you, something much worse. For you, when, when you die, die, it will be without and, honor. Well, before that, he, well, the shred, while that's happening, the shredder tries to pull out a knife and, tr- and tries to. Yeah, yeah. he does. He touches the knife, but he has to take his hands off the nunchucks, and his shredder falls into a garbage mm-hmm. truck. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite lines. This whole movie is like we actually showed him getting crushed by a garbage truck, and somehow Casey does the cops don't even don't even question Casey about it. Well, obviously it wasn't fatal, so it was okay. Kind of a funny story. Um, I watched. I showed this movie to somebody who'd never seen it as a kid, and they actually gasped at that moment. Uh, yeah, I always like that part. And yeah, so like, oops. <laughs> <laughs> and so the cops show up, the cops show up and ask Sam Rockwell and, get, and company what happened. And Sam Rockwell tells the cops, tells Stearns, go uh, check out check out the warehouse at uh, um at the where, at the uh on the the the, the, where, the where, <laughs> warehouse on something island at Lairdman yeah. Island. Yeah. Oh, Lairdman. Nice. Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird. Yeah. yeah. It, was, it was a reference to them, yeah. It was. And uh, so, April, so April and Casey kiss, the turtles cheer, and they're trying to figure out a catchphrase. They're trying to figure out a, new, a catchphrase to celebrate. And right. it says, I have always liked Kawabunga. Yeah. So they say, I've been high five, and the credits roll. And we get the power rap song. Yes, the power. Well, and you also had what was always my favorite line as a kid. I made a funny. Yeah, they do that in all three movies. Uh, It gets worse uh, progressively. (laughs) Oh, yeah, he did make it funny in the third one. I forgot. That's that stupid thing with the lampshade on his head. Yeah. 
Uh, <laughs> I, I, was that, so I think that covers just about the whole movie. I guess we should probably talk about uh, you know, a, a, a favorite, favorite scenes, characters. Um, well, let's, touch on, let's touch on special effects really quick, because right. this movie has excellent special effects. Yes. Like, the turtles are completely convincing. Mm-hmm. Uh, like there is, there are a couple moments when you can see the seams, like you can see the actor's mouth inside the yes. mouth. Right. Uh, yeah. But I was watching it right this time, and unless you pause, mm-hmm. you don't see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I never, yeah, mm-hmm. I never picked up on that until unless someone po- pointed out on like a YouTube video or something. Exactly. And, and again, this was one of the last, uh, just about the last product of the uh, Henson uh, Creature Shop before he passed away. Uh, or one of the last, and um, yeah. so that so so it's notable for that. But it was also apparently one of the most. Uh, from what I read, the uh, the costumes were some of the most complex costumes that they'd ever yeah. created oh. uh, up to that point. Even after yeah. his death, the Henson Studio has right. always been uh, kind of associated with that quality innovation. Yeah. Because Jim mm-hmm. Henson hired some of the best of the best. Yeah, and also, Brian uh, uh, right, took over and did a good job. Yeah, <laughs> uh, points. Uh, and uh, there were a few. One thing I keep pointing out is Defunct Land's uh, documentary on Henson because it shows a lot mm. of cool stuff. Cool. But, uh, only Henson's lab could, I mean, that could come up with that level of effects. I practical effects. Oh, I will tell you right now. Unfortunately, there's, unfortunately, there's none of the, none of it, none of his turtle. I mean, there is like a little, there are some photographs around, but, uh, uh actually, I'll say that. If you ever, if you ever, if any of you guys are ever in New York, come, uh, go to the Museum of the Moving, uh, go to the Museum of the Moving Image. There's a whole exhibit to Jim Henson and his work. Unfortunately, there's no there's no turtle suits there. There's, there's just photographs of the turtles, but uh, you can see like over like over like decades worth of Jim Henson creations and learn about and learn about like what went into making them, including those Let's time not, puppets. <laughs> Let's not forget that uh, the Jim Henson Creature Shop that that whole group of artists in New York and in London uh, that they were really honing their craft uh, with some of his TV series and then it hit a lot of new heights with this film and then actually uh, they won an Oscar for their effects on Babe um, in 1995 which is pretty interesting because that was up against Apollo Apollo 13, and I was like, man, you'd have thought that had been a shoe-in, yeah. but no. So the, their work their work on this film really uh, gave them a serious leg up for what would eventually get them the Oscar. I'm going to go out on a limb and just mention something that I remember that uh, Mo had actually told me, and he and I had to look back, uh, back at the tur- uh, turtles and wonder when I uh, when I uh, when I saw the film, and uh, he mentioned that there were no nostrils on the turtles. Hmm. Well, in the co- to be fair, in the comics <laughs> they didn't even have they weren't even uh, the comics didn't even uh, and the cartoon didn't even draw them with nos- nostrils. Right. <laughs> and then and then people freaked the fuck out when they put nostrils on them in the 2014 one. Right. Well, yeah, those turtles look more like the Goombas from the Super Mario Brothers movies than turtles. <laughs> <laughs> eh, the Michael Bay ones are okay if you just yeah. view them as a live action cartoon. 
Yeah. Right. If you don't take them seriously, you'll have an okay time. I don't think I saw the second one, but the first one wasn't bad. I mean, yeah. the second one is much better than the first one. I agree, I agree uh, with you. Why not let the thing The second one leans into what it is, and you have like Krang, and you have you have Krang in that one, and it's just wild. It's like, <laughs> we're not going to try to be realistic or edgy, we're just going to go nuts. Right. Well, I love it. I love it. I love It's so good. I love that those movies. I love that the movies get called the Michael Bay ones, even though he just produced them and didn't direct them. And but it's just because of the connection to Transformers, because of the '80s cartoon franchise. That's really all it is. It definitely is. I mean, the two are linked in my mind. I mean, I grew up on the Ninja Turtles, but even before that was the Transformers. Like the Ninja Turtles, I think were '87. 87. And 87, and the Transformers movie, I think, was the first thing I saw in theaters. That came out 86. So, that's, but yeah, they're always linked in my mind, too. And that's one of the reasons I'm harsh on Michael Bay, because he tried to kill my childhood with the Transformers. <laughs> 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 the Charles movies cared a little bit more for the past reference. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the first one is passable. Yeah. It's it's passable. If you want to very quickly, though. It is very, very, very different. It's very different. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to see a really, really damn good Michael Bay film, see Pain and Gain. I would actually recommend we watch that sometime. I would say the rock. I would. I would rather. I would, I would still. Oh, I, would, I need to hit the rock one of these days. I would Pain still rather. I would still rather yeah. watch the second Michael Bay Ninja Turtles again. Uh, Pain, Pain, I just had a good time with it. Like it's yeah. it's dumb and it knows it's dumb and it accepts it and leans into it. Uh, but anyway, uh, let's move on to the music because this has some awesome music. It's that, pretty good. Andre Prez. Yeah, the uh, the the score is pretty good. It's got yeah. that iconic, you know. That I, I'm not even going to try to do, to hum it, but the but the, the that iconic tune that and let's see who did the actual score. The animated title comes up like that's my biggest yeah. memory of this movie. Uh, for those that actually don't have nostalgia for it, that actually watched it as adults for the first time. Uh, the music would, for me, I think most of us, there's a nostalgia factor that amplifies it. But how is it viewed for the first time as an adult music wise? Oh, it's really solid. I mean, John Dupre is a very mm -hmm. underrated composer, um, known for these films and for UHF and for A Fish Called Wanda. Um, oh. And uh, that score, especially, highly, highly underrated. Obviously, uh, all of those are, to some extent, comedic scores, uh, but they're very, very effective. And for this sort of thing, like, not really a comedy in the truest sense, although you, it's probably one of the genres that it crosses into, but it seemed like he was a good choice. Well, that's right. a comedy slash gritty action, gritty martial arts fantasy movie. Mm -hmm. and, ch and children's film and comic book oh. adaptation and oh. this and that apparently his first uh, his first score supposedly was a documentary called The Pantomime Dame but his next one was The Meaning of Life that's a pretty fun one to start with 
Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. We, uh, <laughs> yeah, I had no idea there was a Monty Python connection there. That's kind of cool. The, um, now, of course, I mean, the real, the real the fish called Wanda, with the fish called yeah. Wanda, don't forget that was uh, co-written by John Cleese, obviously. Right. Um, huh. And, and when it was like yeah, Charles Brighton, yeah, and then never, Charles Brighton uh, had a connection to them as well. Another uh, cool thing, another interesting thing about the soundtrack is the music itself actually wasn't really available until very recently. Right. Um, Waxwork Records got the actual like the score score like at the at the time mm -hmm. of the movie it had one of those music from the motion picture albums. Which right. I did have, and that was actually my yeah. first experience with a record. I think I scratched it by accident, and my parents were mad. Um, <laughs> but it was a bunch of it was a bunch of the licensed music from the movie, mm -hmm. like, you know, like the turtle, like the turtle power theme, and like the MC Hammer. You know, there's a there's a real blast from the past. Uh, uh, well, even more so, yeah, we have to wait for the second movie. Yes, oh, but I was going to say, like, infamous soundtrack. <laughs> right. Well, I was going to say, just... like, if there, if there's some, if there's one where where the bounder or the um, uh, the power of nostalgia is put to the test, uh, yes. I, I I did actually listen to Ninja Rap uh, to prepare for this, and it's like if you play it by itself, it's kind of awful. But in the movie, it's so nostalgic, you know. It's, 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 bang, it bangs in the movie. Yeah, you can't help it. Like, go ahead, Joe. Honestly, you look at Vanilla Ice just physically, and you're like, yeah, this guy kind of fits in this world, doesn't he? And it's like the one time that you can really say that, because otherwise you're just like, what the fuck? <laughs> we should probably get moving on. We're running on. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really yeah. time here. Uh, let's go. Okay, so uh, everybody wants to go around and say what your favorite part was. Anything else you want to say, uh, Dustin? Um, how about do me last? It's it's going to take a while to think of what my actual favorite okay. scene is. I can't say the whole movie. Uh, as far as uh, favorite scene, the fight with Casey Jones at the beginning always has been, always will be my favorite scene. Unless you, unless you insert the Pizza Hut commercial in. Um, also, uh, the one thing I was going to say that uh, it got cut off: if we ever do Pain and Gain, you have to pair it with Pain and Glory. Gain, <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, why not? <laughs> I think probably the bit right before the opening title card, just because that's, uh, well, I, again, just trying to transplant myself into the mindset of the target audience at the time, I can only imagine how fucking insane I would have gone if I were a kid in the theater that it was really high. Actually, the, the closest I can think of to it would be like the opening credit sequence of the first Spider-Man, because I was 10 years old when I saw that, and... Uh, that got me unbelievably pumped, and I was just like, I can't believe I'm seeing this right now. Like, this is what I've been dreaming of my whole life, blah, blah, blah. Oh, I can only imagine. But, like, it was so exciting seeing the turtles, like, jump out from behind, like, the sewer from shower from that yeah. corner. Well, like, it's not only, not only that, but it's, like, all of the buildup that's done... Before mm -hmm. that, where they tease little bits here and there, and then you see their silhouettes, 
they jump out, freeze frame, the title card comes out, and the title card is the logo. It's not some stupid revamp version. It's the actual logo that everybody knows, which that's right. that's a pet, that's a pet peeve of mine in movies when. And it's to be fair, it's kind of expected when you want to re-energize a brand, you want to change it up and blah blah blah. But like, like I'm saying, like when they change the logos, just kind of arbitrarily for without needing to like re-energize the brand when they just do it for no real reason. Luckily for this, they kept it as what the kids would have known. It comes up, they you know, maybe, what is it, like, five solid seconds, maybe a little bit longer, and then if you finally see him, and, you know, you can just imagine the screams of, you know, how many kids in the theater, and I'm like, well, that's that's how you, A, service your target audience uh, with what they want to see, but you also build up your heroes effectively by hinting at their presence, and then just giving you a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, and then all of a sudden, when you finally see them, it's well worth it. So I think uh, that just that just shows that, just scene? that there's. I think so because well, what it does is it shows uh, the fact that they really cared to show this source material in a good light, and they weren't just cashing in. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dave, what was your favorite scene? I would have to say the initial. Uh, showing the uh, the little baby tur- uh, turtles uh, uh, growing up. Uh, that that is my favorite scene. Um, I just think they're so damn cute. <laughs> they're um, Neca makes a box set of Neca makes a box set of those figures, and I know where you can get one. <laughs> nice. Actually, I might go pick it up tomorrow. Uh, what about you, Jake? What was your favorite scene? <sighs> I'm I'm a Dustin. It's hard to pick one for this, but <laughs> I will say. Um, the 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 little uh, uh, Mikey's little old uh, competition was pretty fun. Yes, um, and I agree with Dana. The opener was good, uh, but probably my favorite two bits were bits involving Casey Jones. I agree with Brandon. That first encounter with well, I'm, I don't know if you're talking the encounter with Raphael. That's the one I'm thinking of. But that one was great. Their dialogue, their, their the way that they, uh, he, they were doing all the sports scene commentary that, that fit the scene. I, I love that part. And that whole, oops. <laughs> I just love that. And I will have to agree, I will have to agree to you guys, Raphael, Raphael and Casey Jones' first encounter with each other. Uh, I, I mean, Raphael is my favorite, my favorite turtle. I also love Casey, and I just love like the like the exchange, like uh, the dynamic between those two, and the exchange, and, uh, the exchange like the exchanges between between the two of them. I just think that whole like and uh, I just think that whole that whole part is just executed very is just executed very well. Uh, showing you know really bringing out who they are as characters, as well as like as well as just like the you know the overall fighting for it. Um, and also, but also even the, the final battle with the shredder, with with uh, the Foot Clan, the shredder. Oh yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think that actually is my favorite scene. The more I, I kind of mull it over, because it doesn't have. I feel like all, all the, every all, every character gets to real, gets to gets to shine that part. Every character gets a moment, yeah. And like Splinter's like final speech to Shredder before he goes into the trash compactor. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You know that's such a that's such a good moment. 
Like, yeah. oh, I love it. I just love this movie. I, think I, my, I wish I could submit, like, the whole movie as my favorite scene. I think my <laughs> second favorite scene is when Raphael is in the tub and they're all, like, morosing about, about the possibility of him not waking up and shit. And when he finally wakes up and he's like, dude, that was heartfelt. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. Leonardo feels so guilty about the fight they had before Raph got knocked mm-hmm. and got yeah. beaten unconscious. Right. And it's just like an always forgiven moment. Mm-hmm. And when yeah. it, actually, Michelangelo makes that joke. It's a real Kodak moment, huh? That was the moment that the movie. Because who buys, who buys uh, Kodak film anymore? Yeah. <laughs> Does Kodak we, make film anymore? They still do, I think. Uh, but, I, but I remember it was really fun. I mean, that's part of many photography students. Um, yeah, they, Kodak does make film. It's for people that actually want to shoot on film, whether it's for still photography or whether it's for mm-hmm. film. Like, they still are one of the few people that is actually making film stock. Um, and, uh, I mean, it's one of those things where it's an organic... Uh, analog format and it's gonna you know have all the benefits thereof but digital technology is just getting more and more uh even beyond what film can do okay well at least uh well at least some people will get the joke right (laughs) my my family we shot on film uh with the kodak film back in the day so i mean well everybody did back in the day but i'm talking about now yeah we had no choice yeah, well, nowadays it's like I think you can still buy those like cheap like Kodak uh, just you know in the package. Um, well, I, I, would really do that. I would be really curious to see what um, I would I would like to see like a reaction video of like an actual like modern kid watching this movie. <laughs> well, the, the because he loves it. But uh, anyway, I think, I think, yeah, I think we've got everything. Okay. Um, well, before we log off, I don't think we've made reference to one important bit of uh, Turtles lore uh, or history or whatever, which is that apparently the series started life as a riff on Daredevil. Yeah, Daredevil and X-Men. Yeah, and makes it makes sense because if you look at like what Frank Miller did to Daredevil, like in the eighties, how he kind of reinvented the character, and you see a lot of what I assume that they were kind of trying to parody because of like really uh, infusing Daredevil with a lot of ninja stuff and with Elektra, and you had Elektra had size. You know, well, all like that the, stuff. The, I mean, the part with say the hand, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, but and Electro size. Yeah, yeah. Electro's had uh, the scimitars like uh, Raphael too. So yeah, it's nice. Right. Yeah, and um, the whole thing of uh, Murdoch had, I guess, um, there was a chemical uh, element to his. Yeah, that's well, he, got, he got blinded yeah. by chemicals, and that right. was what heightened his uh, yeah. other senses. Right. So apparently they had intended a possible crossover, so I'm kind of wondering when that one's going to happen. But anyway. (laughs) I'm thinking that at some point in their history they actually drew it. um, Because I don't know much 
the Mirage era was kind of before my time, so I don't actually know much about the Mirage comics uh, continuity. So they might yeah. have, they might have done it. All right. I think we'll save our outros for the next uh, yes. uh, show. Our next show is uh, going to uh, be on the Inside Movies Galore channel, so mm-hmm. stay tuned for that. Uh, we're going to be uh, be doing uh, Dustin's uh, latest favorite. favorite. Color yeah. Out of Space by Richard yeah. Stanley, who mm-hmm. is apparently some f- somewhat famous, and I've never heard of him before. But and starring Nicolas Cage, and starring mm-hmm. Nicolas Cage, who has redeemed himself with this and Mandy, which I used to really hate Nicolas Cage uh, because of Wicker Man. Oh, but, uh, Nicolas Cage. Uh, I mean, well, Wicker Man was bad, but I can't. Oh hate my him. god, it's like the worst, <laughs> it's like the worst thing of all time. Leaving Las Vegas, man. Leaving Las Vegas. I don't know. I'm yeah. And that's the reason why you should watch Nicholas to, to emphasize, it's kind of funny. Like, the remake Wicker Man is the worst movie ever committed to film. Like, it is a crime. And <laughs> the original Wicker Man is one of the best movies ever made. You could, uh, you could uh, introduce Color <laughs> Out of Space as the film by the director who was fired from the island of Dr. Moreau. Yeah. Well, let's save that anyway. Yeah, let's save that for um, next episode. Yeah. So, uh, bye-bye. Like, Thank share, and subscribe, everybody. We were awesome! Foundacious! Yeah! <laughs> yeah. Uh, gnarly! Radical! <laughs> yeah! Totally uh, ridiculous, uh, dude! Uh, uh, wicked! I have always liked Kawabunga. Huh? Ka-wa-bunga! Ka-wa-bunga! I made a money! <laughs> 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 <laughs